Good morning and welcome. Let the Lord be with you. And grace and peace to us all in the name of Christ our Lord. And a happy new year to you as well. It is a great joy and a great gift to be able to gather with you on this first Sunday of 2020. On this Sunday in which we remember the visit of the Magi, the wise men in particular, on this Epiphany Sunday. Thank you for sharing in worship at First Church, especially those who may be visiting, our visitors. Uh, you bless us with your presence, and we'll just invite you all to, to find the registration pads to sign those as you pass those to your neighbors. It's just helpful for us to know of you sharing in worship at First Church this morning. Helpful as well if we are attentive to the ministry opportunities as they are before us. We see again the ministries of Lunch Bunch each Tuesday and Thursday. See that there is an upcoming Bible study focused on uh, the Mayberry uh, Bible study beginning January the 14th. Also, the Next Step leadership team will be meeting on this Wednesday, and we see the Circle of Psalms is to meet on Thursday. Is that correct? It's usually Wednesday, but it will be Thursday. It will be Thursday this week. Okay. And we do see that we will be spending a great deal of time in the Gospel of Matthew this year. Matthew is the one who shares with us from the second chapter, the story of the visit of the wise men, but we will continue throughout this year to, to spend a great deal of time in the Gospel of Matthew. I look forward to spending that time with you. And just a reminder in regard to Children's Church during this service, we will be in the conference room, which is outside the pastor's office and outside the copy room. The conference room right there is where Children's Church will take place and dismissal will be after the singing of the hymn, Day of Arising, before the gospel lesson. Again, that will be after the Day of Arising Children's Church to meet in the conference room. Annette Huckfelt will lead that. There's also a parents meeting following this time of worship that will take place in the church parlor as we move forward with youth and children's ministries. I would ask you as well to uh, keep the United Methodist Church in your prayer in the coming months. There have been some news items lately regarding the future of the church as we approach General Conference in May of this year. So uh, it is a continuation of a long, ongoing conversation regarding the church. Uh, I anticipate receiving more information about some of the particulars in regard to the future of the church. We'll share that with you, but in the meantime, we'll just ask for your prayers for us all within the United Methodist Church as we move forward and as we do the work to which God calls us. I invite us to prepare to worship God together.
Our call to worship is before us. I invite us to stand as we share in this call. Arise, shine. God's light has come to reveal the way in this new year. Arise, shine. The glory of the Lord has risen upon us. Arise, shine. God's light penetrates the darkness that covers the world. Arise, shine.
seated. We go to God as we pray, our opening prayer before us. Let us pray. Light of God, illumine the path that leads us to healing, hope, and salvation. Glory of God, fill this sanctuary and expose the darkness that stalks our souls. Light of God, shine with such brightness that we marvel in all. Glory of God, fill each temple of the Holy Spirit present today. Light of God, glory of God, we welcome you in this place. We share the word of God first as it comes to us from Isaiah, the 60th chapter, verses 1 through 6, words of prophecy we believe gathered within the gospel lesson that is before us from Matthew, the second chapter. First, we pray. Lord, we thank you for leading us, for illuminating, for shining, for being a light in darkness. We thank you for your word which lights our path and guides our feet. We thank you for your word which feeds us, sustains us, guides us now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, a darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. 
but the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes round about and see. They all gather together, they come to you. Your sons shall come from far, and your daughters shall be carried in the arms. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. This is the word of our Lord. And from worship and song, our new hymnal, we will stand and sing Day of Arising. From the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, the visit of the Magi. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, 
For so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will govern my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, and ascertained from them what time the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. When they had heard the king, they went their way, and lo, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is the word of our Lord. Well, I don't know if you checked your horoscope before coming to worship on this first Sunday of the new year, but I did. And having done so, I share with you the counsel my horoscope gives me today. And I'm a Scorpio, by the way. We have another Scorpio here. A few more Scorpios. Any more Scorpios? I'm here to help you this morning, so listen closely. You might want to let things cool down before you enter the scene with any more demands especially in regard to your relationship, and especially if you've had any heated argument in the last few days. <laughs> Don't exaggerate, and be prepared to make small compromises yourself, because things don't always happen just as we want them. So there you have it, Scorpio's horoscope for the day. Now, it's not my practice to check my horoscope with any degree of regularity. Trying to discern guidance for my life based on the alignment of stars and planets all related to and in concert with the time of year in which I was born, well, that's just never been of interest to me. But you notice, today, I make an exception. You may be asking yourselves, well, Keith, why did you make an exception today? and I'm glad you ask. <laughs> you see, I checked my horoscope this morning because we have visitors. We have special visitors today. They are visitors of whom Matthew tells us. This scripture tells us these visitors are wise men. And really, we do not know the degree of wisdom possessed by these visitors. We do know the word translated into the English expression wise men is the Greek word magoi. Magoi is a word we often translate as magi, as in O. Henry's short story, The Gift of the Magi. So these visitors we welcome to worship this morning are magi. Well, what do we know about these magi? Well, based solely on this scripture, which comes to us only from Matthew, not much. Matthew tells us these magi came to Jerusalem from the east. Well, that really narrows things down, doesn't it? And Matthew proceeds to tell us these magi seek one who is born king of the Jews. He tells us they have seen his star in the east. They bring gifts for this newborn king. They have come to worship him. He tells us, despite the supposed wisdom of these men, that they still need some help in finding the exact place where this newborn king dwells. All of this, Matthew tells us. Still, there is much Matthew does not tell us about these magi. I do not know if this is intentional on his part. I do see why it would be that Matthew would prefer to say no more about these magi than he has to. You see, because these magi, they may have checked their horoscopes before they boarded their camels for Jerusalem. 
they may have said to one another, as singer and songwriter Chris Christofferson would write years later, Jesus is a Capricorn. I'm serious. These magi, these wise men, these kings are practitioners of astrology, alchemy, other questionable sciences. Why do they come in search of Jesus? Because they've seen his star. In fact, they practice these sciences such as astrology that are condemned both by Judaism and Christianity. So perhaps Matthew did not want to tell us any more about these practitioners of these sciences than he had to. Still, we notice this. Matthew tells us these magi, these magicians, came in search of Jesus. They brought him gifts. They worshipped him. Now, after the countless times we have heard this story, after the many ways we have domesticated this story, in pageants, nativity scenes, wrapping paper, Christmas cards, are we able to hear how these outsiders, these foreigners, these practitioners of forbidden sciences, show up and do the right thing? Do we at the same time notice how it is that the learned ones, the insiders such as Herod and his priests and his scribes, are unable to find the infant king and to receive him as he should be received. We do well. We do well to notice we're really not that far from these magi, these who engage in practices you and I tend to dismiss. I was listening recently to National Public Radio. As I listened to the host for this particular show, interviewed a lady named Shawnee Nicholas. Anyone heard of Shawnee Nicholas? Well, Shawnee Nicholas, for those of you who don't know, and apparently that's everyone, writes for Oprah Winfrey's magazine. Shawnee Nicholas writes for Oprah as an astrologer. During this interview, Nicholas promoted her book, You Were Born for This, Astrology for Radical Self-Acceptance. She made reference to the fact that the millennial generation and Generation Z <coughs> is finding great value in the practice of astrology, the reading of stars and planets, their movements in the heavens. How distant are we from these contemporary magi? What's well, true, we haven't gone very far in the Gospel of Matthew, but already this theme of outsiders playing a prominent role in the life of Jesus is a theme that Matthew has already introduced. Remember that Matthew begins his Gospel with 17 verses in which he lists Jesus' ancestors. Ancestors including a prostitute, a foreigner, an adulterer, a seductress. This is a theme from which Matthew will never really stray. Among Jesus' last words before his passion and death, Jesus tells us, it's not the high and mighty and insiders who receive his favor, but those who feed the hungry, give water to the thirsty, clothe the needy, and welcome the stranger. Strangers such as these magi from who knows where. A questionable background, pedigree, practice of astrology, true. But these magi take Jesus seriously. They worship Jesus. They give their gifts themselves to Jesus. 
A few weeks ago, December 17th, the faithful servants of First Church who offered the Lunch Bunch ministry provided our Lunch Bunch guests a wonderful Christmas meal. Prior to this, as part of our conversation in the Next Step leadership team, we had decided a new expression of ministry would be that of offering communion to our Lunch Bunch guests. It seemed an appropriate time to begin this ministry before this meal on December 17th. So before this meal, our guests were invited into the chapel at adjacent to the fellowship hall. Jill sat at the piano. Jeff Hensley and I prepared to offer the bread and the cup. As almost 40 guests were seated in the chapel, I spoke words of welcome, introductory words regarding the Lord's Supper, read scripture from Matthew. I invited our guests to come down the aisle, to receive a portion of bread, to receive a cup from the tray held by Jeff. As Jill played the piano, had some of our guests sing, our guests came forward. It is true, these guests did not come forward and such an orderly fashion as you and I may do. It is true these guests were not dressed as well as you and I are dressed. And there appeared to be confusion among some of these guests regarding the order in which the bread and cup were to be received. There may have been guests who took cup first and then bread. There may have been those who inadvertently stepped in front of someone else, intruded in the midst of someone else's receiving of bread and cup. But we need to look again at this scene. And we need to see this. These guests who may not come from a distant place geographically, but who come from a distant place socially, culturally, financially, found their places at the table of the Lord with everyone else. These guests who came from the east or wherever and worshipped the one, the only one who is king, these guests offered to this king, as well as anyone, their gifts. Was this the first time these guests had received communion? I'm guessing for some it was. For others, I'm guessing if they had received the Lord's Supper, it had been some time ago. And for others among these guests, would it be wrong to believe, they may not have believed, there was a place set at the Lord's table for them. But here they were, with their gifts, their worship, their witness, a witness very powerful, a witness much needed. Because you see, in this divided, conflicted time in which we live, in this reactive time in which we quickly and easily pass judgment regarding who belongs and who does not, in this time of which we easily speak of us and them, whether in politics, in culture, or within the church. These lunch bunch guests, like these strange foreign magi, told us God has set a place for everyone at his table. You know, every time we share in the Lord's Supper, including this morning, we share in a, a foretaste, a first taste of the heavenly banquet awaiting us all. I found this to be true as we worshiped on December 17th, and I also found this to be true. Not only did I experience a first taste of the heavenly banquet that morning, I also experienced a first glimpse of all of us, along with these eccentric magi, 
gathered at the table of the Lord. I could see the heavenly banquet from there and from here. Do you see it? Do you see this heavenly banquet welcoming those from every land? Do you see this heavenly banquet welcoming those of unusual background? Do you see this banquet to which God opens every door? Do you see this banquet at which there is a place set for everyone, even us? Because really, you and I know we are not here because of any worthiness on our part. We are here like the Magi because of the grace of God. We are here like the Magi because God has declared there shall be a place at his table for everyone. No one excluded. Because at the name of Jesus, Every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I invite us to stand and we affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered in the Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life And I invite us to share in time of prayer we know as the prayers of the people. This is a responsive time of prayer in which I will speak a series of petitions, concluding each petition of prayer with the words, Lord, in your mercy, inviting from you the response, hear our prayer, and inviting you to, think, to name those concerns that may be upon your heart as well. We go to God as we pray. Hear us, O Lord, as we pray for the people of this congregation. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for those who suffer and to those in trouble. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy, hear us, Lord, as we pray for the concerns of this community. Lord, in your mercy, hear us, Lord, as we pray for your world, its peoples, and its leaders. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we pray for your church, its leaders, its members, and its mission. Lord, in your mercy. For Bishop Lewis, Denise Bates, the Ministries of First Church, the United Methodist Church. Lord, in your mercy. 
And Lord, hear our prayers gathered with the prayers of your saints, whose voices are joined to ours in song and in praise, and those who find their place with all your children at your table. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Christ, our Lord, invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Our prayer of confession is before us. We go to God as we pray this confession, trusting in God's forgiveness. Let us pray. God of light and darkness, we have seen the glimmer of your starlight beckoning to us, but we have turned away and followed other paths. We confess that we have not loved you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. Forgive us, Holy One. Strengthen our faltering steps and guide us in your holy way of peace. Amen. Hear this good news that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us in the name of Jesus Christ. You are forgiven. Thanks be to God. And let us welcome one another as we ask the peace of Christ. I'll invite our ushers to come forward as we prepare to receive God's tithes and our offerings. Let us pray. Lord, in this season especially, we remember your love for us, a love shown through the gift of your Son. We pray that we respond with our love for you, evident in these gifts we return to you, praying that you would be glorified and your people be blessed. Amen.
The table is set. Jesus has said, do this in remembrance of me. We remember, we obey, and we find our place at the table. We will share in the great thanksgiving. You may see the order projected before you. You may also want to follow along beginning page 9 in your hymnals. There are three responses we are invited to offer. These will be sung responses. Our choir will lead us as we come to those responses, which will be projected before you as well. The great Thanksgiving prayer, as I offer it, will differ slightly from what you might see in your hymnals because it is appropriate to this day of Epiphany. But again, your responses remain the same. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and a joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, brought us to a land that was our gift from you. You raised us up, making us a light to the nations that they might behold your glory. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and to join their unending hymn. Blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. So important was his birth to all the world that visitors came from afar bearing gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at the heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. 
Now, with the confidence that we have as children of God, we pray as Christ has taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. The bread which we break is a sharing in the body of Christ. The cup over which we give thanks is a sharing in the blood of Christ. This is the table of our Lord. He has set a place for each of you and desires nothing more than you come forward and share in his body and blood. Our ushers will guide you down the center aisle. You will receive from one of two stations a portion of bread, which you are then invited to dip into the cup that will be held before you. As you feel led, feel free to kneel here at the communion rail for a word of prayer. I also remind you of the mission boxes. They support the mission ministries of the church as you feel led to contribute to these boxes as you come forward. But again, come to the table of our Lord. We will start with our choir. We share with the closing prayer as it is before us. Let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We stand as we sing.
We have come from distant places, but we have found ourselves together, offering ourselves and our gifts to the newborn King. We know his presence, his promise to be with us now and always, his Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go now in peace. Amen. Amen.